According to Ephesians chapter 6, the choice of weapon for the Spirit of God that lives on the inside of you and on the inside of me is the Word of God. Hello, I'm Pastor Gray, pastor of Emmanuel Baptist Church of Longview. In just a moment, you're getting ready to go into the service here at Emmanuel. And guess what we use to give the Spirit to work in our lives? The Word of God. I trust that the sermon you're about to hear, that God's Spirit will use it as His sword, and according to Hebrews, that it will get down into us and it'll start working in us, dividing asunder, and will do His perfect work. May the Lord bless you as you listen to the truth of God's Word. Take your Bibles and go to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, if you will, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, and a little bit more... Brother Webb, if I could, on the treble, that would be awesome. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, and uh, verse number 1 through verse number 4. So we are going to look at um, verse number, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 1 through verse number 5, I should say. We're going to look at these five verses, and uh, we're going to do something a little bit different that will be unusual to some degree um, but I'm going to take you through how I study a text. And, um, and we're just going to march right through the text. And, uh, so, and then you'll find that whenever um, I'm going to study a text, that this is how I study it. This is how I mark it. This is what I do. And then I'm going to give you my title at the very end. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I have been excited about this particular lesson. Again, God, I ask that you would just bring about uh, from your word an understanding of the setting of your word and, God, how then it applies to um, our lives. And, Lord, I pray that you'd help us now. Please, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. First, I'm going to read uh, the first five verses for us touching the ministering to the saints. And, and I vowed I would never preach on this verse again or from this verse again uh, after the faux pas several years ago. Um, for us touching the ministering to the saints, it is superfluous uh, for me to write to you. For I know the forward, forwardness of your mind, for which I boast of you to them of Macedonia, that Achaia was ready a year ago and your zeal hath provoked very many. Yet have I sent the brethren, lest our boasting of you should be in vain in this behalf, that as I said, ye may be ready. Lest happily, if they of Macedonia come with me and find you unprepared, we that we say not ye should be ashamed in this same confident boasting. Therefore, I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren that they would go before unto you and make up beforehand your bounty, whereof ye had noticed before that the same might be ready as a matter of bounty and not as of covetousness. When I came to this text some time ago, then I started going line by line and deciphering phrase by phrase. So let's do that tonight. Get ready. This is either going to be like watching a haircut or God's going to do something amazing inside of your life. It all depends. Are you ready? Here we go. If you'll look here, it says, for it's touching the ministering to the saints. Here you have a phrase, if you'll go to Romans chapter 15 and verse number 26. So get ready because we're going to bounce between the two. 
to understand this phrase right here, for it's touching the ministering to the saints, look at Romans chapter 15, verse 26, if you will. In chapter 15, verse 26, it says this, For it hath pleased them of Macedonia and Achaia to make a certain contribution for the poor saints which are at Jerusalem. So in the letter to the Corinthians, in the second letter, he's telling them, now I need to reference this ministering to the saints. There were poor saints, as we've just seen here, that were in Judea. And these poor saints, a collection had been asked from the sister churches to be collected because there were poor people that need to be ministered to. They needed help. Now, if you will, take your Bibles, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and verse number 1. So now you know why in 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and verse number 1 that this is not a tithing verse. This is a giving verse. This verse is on the heels of we have poor that are back at Jerusalem. And now we have poor people in Judea. We have to help the poor people. So Paul then says, church at Corinthians, the church at Corinth, understand, I need to talk to you about this ministering to the poor. So we know here in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 1, now concerning the collection for the saints, as I have given order to the churches of Galatia, even so do ye. Paul right now pulls in, go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, Paul pulls into this fact, we have poor people, church at Corinth, listen, you need to start collecting money to help the poor. Now, I've already ordered the church at Galatia to do this. Now, I'm coming back and telling you. So, he said, let's touch this thing of, of what I've already wrote about that we need to get involved. And it was a church cooperation. We are independent. We are an independent Baptist church. But always remember this. We are an influential independent Baptist church, as every sister church should be. Every sister independent Baptist church is gaining strength from other independent Baptist churches that all of us have the right mindset. And the churches here in the New Testament, so he said, so let's talk about the ministering to the saints. 1 Corinthians 16, 1, I told you that you need to lay in store on the first day of the week. We know we have this big thing going on. We have to minister to this. Here we go. Ready? The next line. It is superfluous. So what he's saying here is, I know that on this matter, you don't need me to tell you to do this. I understand that now I'm talking to you about a subject that this is superfluous. I now am going up and beyond on a subject that I really don't need to touch. Have you ever heard somebody say, it's like preaching to the choir, okay? It's like teaching somebody that's good with their money how to be good with their money. There's really no need to do this. And so he's saying, because this is unnecessary for me to give you arguments. So what he's saying in verse number one is this to the church at, the church at Corinth. I'm going to talk to you about a subject pot that then delivered to the poor. Now, I really don't need to tell you this, and I don't need to raise an argument with you that this really needs to be. I don't need to bring pictures of poor people. I don't need to roll out tear-jerking stories because it really is not, it's needless for me to tell you this because look at verse number two, for I know the forwardness of your mind. Look at that phrase. For I know the forwardness of your mind. 
Now go to 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse number 10. So go to the chapter right before that. And this is how pastor studies. So if you go to the chapter right before that in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse number 10, it says this, And herein I give my advice, for this is expedient for you, who have begun before not only to do, but also to be forward a year ago. So what he's saying here is this, I don't need to write to you about this collecting for the saints, and here's why. You already started a year ago because you had the mindset, hey, come on, people, we got to get this done. Paul said, bring it the first day of the week. Let's, let's get this thing done. So what happened was is they had been collecting all this time, and Paul said, I know the forwardness. That's why I really don't need. In fact, look at the next phrase, for which I boast of you to them of Macedonia. He said here, in fact, I know that you've been laying a short. Now listen, this was not something Paul had revisited. He simply in the book of Acts gave the declaration to the churches in Galatia, the church in Corinth, the church in Thessalonica, where everybody was scattered out from Jerusalem. There were poor brethren back there. And he said, all you churches that have benefited from the grace of God because what them saints did back at Jerusalem and took the hit back there, and now they're being persecuted, hey, cough it up. We got to get money back to them. But he said to the church at Corinth, now I've not even checked on you, but I am confident and I know I'm preaching to the choir because I know that you started a year ago. In fact, I'm so confident in you that I've been boasting about you to Macedonia. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 1, and let's confirm this. Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. How that in great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their what, please, deep poverty abounded unto riches of their liberality. For to their power I bear record, yea, and beyond power they were willing of themselves. He said, look, I've already started talking about, this is why the churches in Macedonia were like, oh my goodness, the church at Corinth was already, Paul said, look, let me tell you something. There's a church back there at Corinth that has already started collecting. And I know you're poor here in Macedonia, but hey, let's get with it. And the church at Corinth had so excited the church at Macedonia that they were not rich, but boy, did they start giving. Look at it. Let's keep going. For I know the forwardness of your mind, for which I boast of you to them of Macedonia, that a chaos was ready a year ago. So I want you to notice that. A chaos was ready a year ago. A chaos was part of Greece, of which Corinth was the capital. Look at Acts 18, verse 12. Go all the way back to Acts chapter 18, in verse 12. This is why Pastor just loves the word. Look what it says here. And that a chaos was ready a year ago. So, Look at chapter 12, and let's go back to verse 11. And he continued there a year and six months, Acts 18, 11, teaching the word of God. And when Galileo was the deputy of Achaia, the Jews made insurrection with one accord against Paul and brought him to the judgment seat. 
Now, Paul had been in Achaia. Paul had been in this part of Greece that was the capital, so he already knew what these people were all about. This is why he could write to them, and he said, look, I know the forwardness of your mind. In fact, I've been boasting of them because Achaia, you were ready a year ago to give. So a year before this is written, Paul was saying to them, man, you've been storing up all this that you've been laying by for 52 weeks on a Sunday. Man, your coffers are ready to ship out this armored truck to take it to Jerusalem. And then look at, and your zeal hath provoked many. So they have been preparing for themselves. They have been collecting. And then all of the sudden you're going to find out that this readiness of mine had provoked many. What he was saying was, is that you have so excited the other churches of Macedonia, Thessalonica, that these churches are pumped to raise money to send to the poor. But church at Corinth, you did this. And I know I'm preaching to the choir is what he's saying. I know that you don't need me to write to you about collecting for the saints because you are like the poster child for collecting for the saints. Now, there's a reason why he wrote this. Look at 1 Corinthians 9, 3. Yet have I sent the brethren. Now, the brethren is referred to in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. So are you there? 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse number 18. Back up to verse 16. But thanks be to God, which put the same earnest care into the heart of Titus for you. For he indeed... He accepted the exhortation, but being more forward of his own accord, he went unto you. And we have sent him, we have sent with him the brother whose praise is in the gospel throughout all the churches, and not that only, but who also was chosen of the churches to travel with us with this grace which is administered by us to the glory of the same Lord and declaration of your ready mind. So understand what he's saying. He is saying here, yet have I sent brethren. So what he said was, is, is I know this is true of you because Titus has been there. And these other people who travel with us, they, they have been on site. They've been, on, they've, been, they've been there. They've watched you people. Let's look, look at the next phrase. Lest our boasting of you should be in vain, in this behalf. So he's telling them, and, and I'm coming down to the title, and then enough said. He's telling them, y'all, you're the kind of church that I don't need to tell about this subject because you're the poster child. In fact, I've kind of boasted about how you do this and you're awesome at this. But just to make sure that you are that, I'm going to send Titus, and I'm going to send some of the brethren who travel with us that we have been to all the other churches. And if you'll notice here in, in, in verse number 18, he says this in verse number 19, and not, only, and not that only, but who also is chosen of the churches to travel with us with this grace, which is administered by us to the glory of the same Lord and declaration. Look at avoiding this, that no man should blame us in this abundance, which is administered by us, providing for honest things, not only in the sight of the Lord, but also in the sight of what, please? 
men. Are you there with me? Very important. You're looking at the word. Don't trust me. Look at verse 22. And we have sent them with our brother, whom we have oft times proved diligent in many things, but now much more diligent upon the great confidence which I have in you. Whether any do inquire of Titus, he is my partner and fellow helper concerning you, or our brethren be inquired of, they are the messengers of the churches and the glory of Christ. Wherefore, show ye to them and before the churches, look at this, the proof of your love and of our what? Boasting. Church, there's a deeper spiritual lesson here for Emmanuel Baptist, and that is this. That this church at Corinth, Paul was saying, I don't need to talk to you about collecting on the first day of the week, 1 Corinthians 16, 1, for the poor that's back there. Because I've been telling everybody everywhere that you people are on fire. And there's going to be a delegation come from every other church who has based their program on how you love God. But just to make sure you're the real deal, before this delegation gets there, I'm going to send Titus, and I'm going to send a delegation. And then, if you will, look at verse 4. He said, because if you look back at verse number 3, yet have I sent the brethren, lest our boasting of you should be in vain in this behalf, that as I said, ye may be ready. So what he's saying is this. You have a reputation that you've been consistently laying it up. You have been the real deal behind closed doors. You are the people that I tell everybody else that you are as a church. Now, the other churches have done their entire program about what I have told them about your love for the Lord and your concern for the poor. Now, they're coming. The thing we don't want to happen is look at verse 4. Lest happily, if they of Macedonia come with me. Remember that little phrase, Macedonia? Do you remember that? Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 1. So back up, if you will. 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 1. Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, how that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. For their power, I bear you record. Yea, and beyond your, their power, they were willing of themselves, praying us with much entreaty that ye would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering of the saints. Are you seeing where this is going? where the church at Corinth had laid up in store and they were the poster child and they had all the money in the world. What he's saying right here is this. There is coming these people from Macedonia that they have scraped and they have scrimped and they have tried to get together and they're going to walk into your fellowship with their meager gift in comparison to your great big consistent giving to this pot of money that's going to go to the poor and what he doesn't want to happen is he does not want this delegation to show up to a place, lest happily, if they of Macedonia come with me and find you, what please? 
Can you please say that out loud? Find us what? We, that we say not ye, should be ashamed in this same confident what, please? Is this setting in? The text is telling us, and here's the title, Perception Versus Reality. Perception versus reality. This is, this is the hypocritical stance of any church or any Christian. It is not. And this perception, but it is easy to go week after week, service after service, and people hear about the church we attend. And people are like, I, I want to go there. Because here is our church only running five. But I want God and I want the Spirit of God. Do you know any churches that are like that? Somebody says, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, Emmanuel Baptist down there in Longview, Texas. I hear they've been having God come down. Listen, we're not the Mecca of anything. We are one of a lot of independent Baptist churches that have heard the cry of the poor, and we just want to get the gospel to them. We just want to be that kind of church. But listen, if our perception is not reality, then reality will become the perception. Paul was saying this, I can't afford for these pure saints at Macedonia to be disappointed in their faith because they think you are the real deal when it comes to giving. So look at verse 5. Therefore, And Paul was like, I know I shouldn't be writing this to you because you're it. But but I'll tell you what, just to make sure, look what he says. Therefore, because of all this, I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren that they would go before unto you and make up beforehand your what, please, Bounty, whereof ye had noticed before that the same might be ready. Y'all, well, I hope you're catching the text. And I hope the gravity of the text is setting in. Whether we like it or not, we are an influence among sister churches. Just this morning, If I received one text, I received a dozen texts that said, Pastor, and somebody commented on our Facebook and said, make sure Pastor Gray gets this. And it has nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with the fact that people cannot believe there is a place that loves the Lord. And we just want to honor the Lord. That's all we want to do. And that no matter who walks through these doors, that they are treated with the respect 
because they are God's people. And I'm telling you that Emmanuel Baptist, we carry a responsibility. Did you hear that? This is where most churches get a get 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 a high pant, big pocket outlook that, well, we, we're better than everybody else. We're not better than anybody else. But I will tell you this, when they perceive that, man, they come to teen convention. They come to the revival. They, they watch Brother Hicks get up here and they, 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 they watch a Tommy Ashcraft. They watch a Brother Moore and they look at our conferences and our convention and they're just like, Man, if we could take a little bit of that love and take it back to our church and just a little bit of that revival and take it back to our church, it would change our church. Y'all, you are blessed to be in a church that we're not fighting and tearing each other apart. Can I get an amen on that one? You are blessed. This is not because of your pastor. It is because we understand Church is not about the individual. Church is about the collection of the saints for the poor. And when this perception and reality do not match, if you look at the picture, very appropriate when we're perceived as a lion, but we only have the caliber of a kitten. There are believers who are waiting for something real. And they're like, I just got this real love for the Lord. I, I have preached in churches. And I have to be very careful right now. But Brother Hicks was traveling through a town, and him and I were kind of touching base. And Brother Hicks, right outside that town that you were traveling through not too long ago is a little church. And, and preaching in that little church was about five people. But boy, when they sang, and them hearts were just like. And I got up there, and I was like, y'all have thrilled me to no end. Because everybody, all five of us, were singing to the top of our lungs. And they said, hey, I watch Emmanuel. And you don't know this, but when we cut, we open up the house mics. And I had one old man look at me and say, I sit in my living room and I sing with you people all the time. All the time I sing. And my wife says, shut up because you have a terrible voice. <laughs> Can I ask you a question? If that man, which he is, going to come, if he walks in with his Macedonia gift, and do you know what his favorite song is? Come thou fount. And here's how he sings it. Come thou fount of every... That's how he sings it. If he came and sat next to you... Come thou fount. Or is other members covering up for your... When you say, I attend Emmanuel Baptist, there is a perception. 
but does it match reality? And this is why Paul was saying to them, hey, I got to send somebody ahead, and we're going to end here in verse number five. He said, I need, I need to go before, you know, this is, this, is very, this is the dividing point between the purity of what I'm saying and the manipulation of what I'm saying. There are some of you that this kind of sermon is like you're manipulating us, you're, you're maneuvering us, but can I be so bold as to answer that question? You are asking the question from being manipulated. I'm not preaching it from being manipulated. I'm preaching it because of what Paul said right here. He said, I have to come before you and say, look, they're expecting coffers full. Now, now let's, let's get it up to par. Come on, come on, get it up to par. Let's go, let's go. Get your money out of your pocket. Let's get this. We've been collecting for 52 weeks, a year and a half. Come on, come on, kick it in, kick it in. Let's go, let's go, let's go. We got people coming, then people in Macedonia are on their way. He sent Titus in this, let's go, let's go, let's get this thing up. Look at me, I'm not talking about money right now. I'm not, I don't want your money. God owns a cattle on a thousand hills. But every member has got to know this, that if what Emmanuel is in our heart is not what you and I are in the pew, then we are a hypocrite. And it's time you took your pastor off trial because I took you off trial as a member a long time ago. You see, this is a two-way street. Can I get a little bit now, now? This is a two-way street. For every pastor that has burnt you, there have been hundreds of church members who have burnt me through the years and 34 years, but I refuse to live on the level that you're one of them. So how about you don't live there with me, I won't live there with you, and let's just shout praises to the Lord Jesus Christ. Good night, what's pastor up to now? i tell you what I'm up to. There is a generation of people out here that just want to know God. They just want to know God's real. They want to know that the power of God still exists. Somebody's real. Don't get up to and listen. But if perception doesn't meet reality, I'm not talking about perfection. I'm talking about letting every week be this. Come on, come on, come on. Let's make it up. Let's make it up. Because here is the qualifier. That the same, look at the end of verse 5. That the same might be ready as a matter of what, please? Bounty and not of what? Okay, here's the difference between manipulation and purity of what I'm saying. He said, look, look, church, listen, I've already boasted. I've already said how much you love the poor, and you get it that we got to collect for the brothers back there that took the hit. They're the ones that paid the price back there in Jerusalem. We got out. We scattered. We're on the outline. And I've already told that poor church down there in Macedonia that they don't have much, but, boy, they got a big heart, and they gave as much as they could give, and they did a lot. And they're going to come see you. And when they come see you, I'm sending Titus ahead of time. Come on, come on. Let's get up to where we need to be. Let's be where we need to be. Why? For the covetousness sake? 
Is this really all about? Oh, Emmanuel's got to be the biggest church on the block. No. Is this all about us being Mecca? No. It is all about our brothers and sisters in Christ that are in other churches saying, we love the Lord. Is there any other church that loves God like we love God? Is there anybody else that for the purity of what we do, we don't do it? Is there anybody else that gets it? And y'all listen to this. We get it. And I feel like I'm preaching to the choir. But if you have backed up on your weekly contribution to the pot then you need to get right with God. Tonight, I am your Titus, and I am telling you, our contribution to the brethren is found on our sidewalls. That's our contribution. Very simple. Our contribution is preeminence of Christ. Christ is number one. Christ is number one. Did y'all hear that? Christ is number one. And if all of a sudden it becomes about you, then Christ is not number one. Every inch of this property is not about you. Every inch of this property is about Christ. And if anything we do does not lift Christ up, then men will not be drawn. Do you know that you can act a certain way at your house and nobody wants to come to your house? Listen, church, but if we act that way at this house, nobody will want to come to this house. I'm going to make a very bold statement. If Christ is not number one, go find another church. Did y'all hear that? If Christ is not number one, go find another church. If you're positioning a diatrophies move, go find another church. Because it's not worth discouraging the hearts of all those believers who want to know, is there another church that believes Christ is preeminent and that he is number one? That's who we are. Propagation of the gospel to the world. When is the last time you talked to somebody about Jesus Christ? When is the last time you stop somebody and you ask them? You see, perception versus reality. We cannot be perceived. They'll hear me tell stories about Taylor's mama getting saved. Knocking a street, knocking a door. And they will literally think there'll be other brothers that are like, yeah, that's, that's who we are. But if that's not who you are individually, newsflash, there are people out there that believe you ought to talk to people everywhere you go. And I'm just coming before you saying, come on, make up the pot. Come on, get it in. And if you are not about that core value, let's get right with God and let's make up our mind that those track racks out there are going to be empty because they won't sit in my glove. I'm going to be handing them out everywhere I go. The third one is proper treatment of others. Nobody, nobody. Nobody 
Nobody has a right to holler and scream at another believer in Christ. If this is our core value, this is who we are. Nobody should ever hear anybody on Emmanuel Baptist property scream at another believer. And if it happens, somebody needs to apologize. I'll tell you right now, I've apologized more since we've had that core value. I'm tired of apologizing. And every time I like it, mm, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to raise my voice. I didn't mean to, I got a little bit in the flesh, and I am sorry. Can I ask you a question? Does it bother you when you get into a shouting match with another brother or sister in Christ? Or is it so commonplace in everything that we do? Listen. It's like meeting the wife, and she's like bubbly, and I just love God, and this is great. And then you meet the husband. What do you want? That does not match that. How did you people fall in love? And when they meet pastor, and I'm like, hey, brother, how you doing? Man, I'm sorry. I blew it. Brother Johnny, you have experienced an apology from pastor, have you not? And if I were to ask, I'd go around this auditorium, I would have to tell you that I don't measure up all the time, but it bothers me. It bothers me. I do not want reality not to match the perception. Because when new people come in, we love them till we find out their warts, and then it's like, blah, 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 blah. oh, hold it. That's not what this church is all about. We're not perfect, but we should be repentant. And then the last one is purity of doctrine. I had one of our men look at me the other day, and he said, hey, can you grab some quick lunch? And I said, absolutely. And something he said to me has been really, it's really been the rudder. And he said this, Pastor, don't compromise on what you believe. Don't compromise on what you believe. And that last core value, these four core values are the perception. Can I ask you a question as we close? Are they the reality? Are they the reality? I really hope that you enjoyed the service here at Emmanuel. Thank you for taking the time to tune in. At the bottom of the screen is my cell phone number. If I can do anything for you, please give me a call. I trust that you'll be back with us for the next broadcast. God bless you, my friend. Have a great week.